Welcome to the Tea Grannies. I'm Elise. And I'm Maria. Today we're here to chat about writing the synopsis. So pour yourself a cup of tea and let's get started. What is a synopsis and why, oh God, why do you need one? Because pretty much guaranteed nobody wants to write one of these if they're a writer of long form fiction. Um, so what is a synopsis? Hell if I know. I'm really bad at them. Maria can attest to that uh, because I come crying to her every time I have to write one. So um, I'm just going to spew things that sound smart because I've done research um, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> A synopsis is more than back cover copy. It's a full summary. This is the one instance where spoilers are allowed and you want to give away the ending because that's actually what this document is for. So, a synopsis describes the plot, the main plot line. It introduces the primary characters and it shows the reader, probably an agent, uh, the entire structure of your manuscript from start to finish. So, um, everything, beginning, middle, and end. That said, you don't want to tell them every little thing and every subplot and side character and secondary character because you're basically just sending them your whole book in a boring format. So don't do that. Um, I had to relearn that over and over and over again when I tried to write my first one of these, and I don't think I succeeded. But um, over the years, I've gathered some tricks that have helped me. So for me in particular, because I'm not an outliner, everyone knows this, um, if you follow an outline or a story structure, even a loose one, this is going to help you. If you don't follow one, you could try what I try, where I outline after I've written my book, um, and then I have one, and I have a big picture idea of what my book is about, and I technically should know what I'm talking about. And then you take the story structure that you're kind of loosely following however you're doing that whether it's like a three-act structure or the hero's journey or there's plenty we'll include a link in the episode description that talks about like seven different story structures that you can pick your favorite one that's what i do i pick the three-act structure because it's the, the shortest and the simplest don't tell anybody um so if you're doing the three-act structure for example um you just you, you highlight the main points that form your main plot so you've got your act one setup and inciting incident you're just introducing the story and why it kicks off you've got your act two midpoint crisis what goes wrong what do they have to solve what are they doing to try and fix it and then you've got your act three the lead up to the resolution and the payoff how do you satisfy the reader um, so it's just the main beats. It's supposed to be concise, which is the, the literal bane of my existence. And it's not the place to just like throw in all those twists and turns and genius subplots that no one's going to see coming because you're amazing and you're fantastic and you're the most intelligent person to have ever walked the earth. Yes, we know that. You know that. The agent doesn't need to know that at this point in this document. Only the main plot, only the main characters, the true heart of your story arc the thread that pulls through from the beginning to the middle to the end. That's it. That's all you want. And sure, I say that like it's easy. But like I said, it's not, which is why we're <laughs> leaning on Maria for this one, because she's, she's going to help. Writers dread the synopsis for a reason. Um, it's a plague upon all writers, uh, unless you're me and you're 
have some kind of sick obsession with writing synopses <laughs> and queries because I'm just a strange little weirdo. <laughs> so most agents, majority of agents, are going to request a synopsis along with like the other things you'll submit, like your query letter and your sample pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is not something you want to write last minute, even though you're like, I could totally just... I know this book. I'll just bang fire that, out. that out. Oh, like, yeah. No, you, you don't. And you don't want to do that. Um, so just like you do with your manuscript and your query, you'll want to get this workshopped. The goal of the synopsis is to pull all the major threads of your story and get them across in a more business-like way than mm-hmm. you would in your regular writing. And why do we do that? So the agent can see the major plot points of your story. This helps them narrow down the manuscripts they want to request. Uh, they can read your five or 10 sample pages along with the synopsis and decide if that's the kind of story they'd like to see more of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then they've got, they understand what the plot is. They understand what the story is. They get a high overview. They yeah. get that big picture. And then they read your sample pages to get an idea of your style and how you actually carry it out and whether they'd be interested mm-hmm. enough in your writing style to keep going from start to finish. Yeah. Yeah. So as a non-outliner, I think that applies to you too, but you're still good yeah. at this somehow. Good God. Um, <laughs> I write a lot of emails and I think that's the key, like a lot of work emails. Because when I write a work email, I write like everything I want to say and then I <laughs> edit it down to the essentials, Yep. you know, and yep. then I send it. So I feel like that's why I like writing like a synopsis mm-hmm. or a query because it's like, yep. I don't know, I just put on my work hat. You've had a lot of good practice. Which is yeah. excellent. I think at, at my current job, I'm doing a little bit more of that. So maybe that'll help. We'll see. It does get easier. It takes practice. Yes. But as you practice and if you struggle, which that's normal, you're not weird for struggling. Just uh, just highlight that a little bit. You're weird yeah. in general because everyone is, but not because you're struggling. Um, yeah. Take your outline and write a summary based on the the main points of the outline so you take everything that i talked about like for example if you're following the three-act structure or if you're just following your own like chapter by chapter outline um pull out the main beats write a summary of how characters go from the first major plot point to the next and how just how they get there from here to there in the most like couple sentences your paragraphs should be shorter um and this this is the only way that i have found the where i'm able to actually do this without going completely overboard on word count because how the hell do you dumb down a 150k manuscript to, um, what is it, 500 words? Um, what? That's not even 10%. Um, so <laughs> the only answer I have is blood, sweat, and tears, and lots of whining and crying to Maria in her DMs because I'm a needy hermit. But <laughs> if that's not an option for you, which it's probably not because I'm in a position of privilege of, mm-hmm. you know, getting a response from her immediately. Uh, <laughs> just saying, those are my expectations. You should respond within mm-hmm. five minutes to my whining and crying. Well, my <laughs> phone's never out of my hand. So generally, <laughs> that's a safe bet. Like, oh, at least send me a message. Oh, she needs a virtual hug. <laughs> I'm going to answer this right now. Oh, she needs help. Okay. She needs help. Capital H. <laughs> Capital H. <laughs> this is making my counseling appointments feel really real right now. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> 
But the point is, we're keeping things short. I mean, it depends on your genre and your agent's guidelines. So, of course, as we always say, do your research, personalize it to the person who's asking for it because they might have some slightly different requirements for your synopsis. But um, the benchmark that I like to start with is 500 words because if I aim for anything higher than that, I'll never cut it down too short enough to be effective. And I think any lower than that, and it's going to be too short. So... That's a good place to start. And then I also wanted to add a quick note about formatting, which, again, always, always do your research because it could be slightly different from place to place, but standard practice is to choose a basic 12-point font, double-space your page, um, and then the main difference that you see in synopsis writing is that um, you capitalize a character's first name or a character's name, whether it's first name and last name, whatever, the first time that it shows up. So if my main character's name is Stella, then the first time I write her name in the summary, it's in all caps. Uh, and then the next time I have to use her name in the summary, I just write it out normally, capitalize the first letter, lowercase the rest, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is just a quickly flag for the, the reader, the agent, whoever's looking at this document, that this is a character introduction, we're introducing somebody new, and that way they can also scan through the document and just quickly pick up, okay, who are all the important names at a glance? It's just a really quick shortcut thing. Uh, and that's, I believe that's standard practice for any Yeah, synopsis. that's the only way I've ever seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And it looks, it looks nice. And it's, mm-hmm. when you're reading it, the names stand out, which is like the point. So your agent yeah. can follow very quickly which characters are the main characters and what's mm-hmm. going on. Exactly. Um, but yeah, writing a synopsis is a little daunting. Um, so I've already said it this season. I feel like this is the thing I'm harping on this year. And maybe last time I was like info dumps. Now I'm like on to this. Um, book reports. Oh. I remember writing book reports <laughs> in school, which I like vividly recall. Uh, you always had to like summarize the book. And I thought that was just the dumbest thing. So I'm like, I read the book. The teachers read the book. Why do I have to summarize the book that we all know what happened? But it's actually, it was a little bit like to first of all make sure that you did read it yeah um but, you know in this case it's become a valuable skill because you need to pull out all the main plot points and mm-hmm. that's what you did when you wrote that summary of a book in school that's pretty much what you're doing for your synopsis um and it's tough it's tough to write your own synopsis i think we can write a synopsis for someone else more easily because yeah. everything in your story feels important to you but you need to pull out what the main plot points are and convey them more concisely. So how do you do that? Write your synopsis as long as you think it needs to be. Just write everything you think is like a super main important plot point. Get all the major stuff on there. Go to bed, sleep on it, Mm -hmm. take a few days off, Mm -hmm. go back to it and start cutting and Mm -hmm. be so ruthless. Cut all your extra descriptor words, unnecessary words, your flowery language flowery language wow I can't speak um anything like that and remember you can always add stuff back in if you really think it's needed right but for the moment cut it make sure you leave out your subplots you just want the main thread of the story with your main main characters Mm -hmm. and uh example (laughs) I pulled from one of my favorite movies of all time Beauty and the Beast which I'm sure most of us have seen I feel like we're (laughs) in the right like demographic for ages I've seen this So major plot points in Beauty and the Beast. An arrogant young prince is cursed to live life as a beast and the curse can only be broken by true love. Plot point one. A clockmaker trespasses on his property and the beast imprisons him. Plot point two. His daughter Belle rushes to his rescue and takes his place. Plot point three. 
With the assistance of the magically imprisoned service servants, they fall in love, plot point four, but Belle's mean-tempered suitor Gaston has other plans for Beauty and the Beast. Ta-da! Ta-da! A two-hour movie has now been condensed into a few sentences a because paragraph. it can be done. Good God. This is why we <laughs> talked to Maria. Don't listen to anything I have to say. She's a queen. <laughs> I do love this. It's fun for me. It's <laughs> amazing. But no, I will not write your synopsis for you. <laughs> <laughs> listeners, dear listeners. She's not uh, offering but, uh, services. If- if you get me on a good day when I got time, I will look at your synopsis and I will leave that offer open until I get flooded by them. <laughs> yeah. We'll then we have to set limits. I'll do one a month. Uh, yeah, no oh. promises. <laughs> All right. Well, that's how to write it. That's the requirements. That's uh, some guidelines. But uh, mm-hmm. maybe you've already done that. Maybe you've read all the articles that there are to read. And all of our links are going to be useless because you're like, yeah, I've seen that. I did that. I've done mm-hmm. that. But it's still not working. Um, and that's what I do. So it's fine. But our troubleshooting, step one, I think what has been helpful for me lately is to think about marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the same way that when you're when you're writing a book versus when you're editing a book, you're using two very different hats. You're wearing two very different hats. You're using two different parts of your brain. You're approaching the manuscript in a very different way. Um, marketing or synopsis writing, it's the same kind of thing. Like this is not your writer brain. This is not your editor brain. Now this is your how do I sell this book brain. Um, mm-hmm. This is not the place similar to watch to your query brain. Yes, exactly. This similar. is another. This is another business document. It's like a query letter. Mm-hmm. It's not a descriptive prologue or epilogue to showcase your creative skills. Um, that's what your sample pages are for. But it's a. Mm-hmm. It's a strategic document to show off how well you know the story, that you can explain it in a way that people understand, and that you know what the main points are, and can just you can dumb that down for literally anybody. They want to know that you know what you're writing about at every level, whether that's like micro or macro. So this is not the place to wax eloquent, to show your powers of literary genius. Yes, we know you have them. Uh, no descriptions, no poetic paragraphs of swooning romantics. This is about plot, structure, and literally what sells. What are the beats that are core to the story, core to who the characters are that are going to get readers interested, invested, and engaged. Um, so you can and absolutely should show the power of your writing skills here. This is not a place to just like, you know, slap it on a page. It's within the word count, so it's probably fine. Like that's (laughs) not what we're saying at all. We're not getting participation marks for this. Right. You're no. actually being graded on this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the the real wow factor here where you're showing your skill comes from how succinct you can be in explaining the meat mm-hmm. of the story in as little words or as little time as possible. Um, so it's, it's the TLDR version, if you're familiar with that acronym. <laughs> it's this version for publishers who will probably never read the whole manuscript, but they want to know if this thing is marketable. Can we sell it to the unwashed masses? Can we convince <laughs> all these little people to spend their money on our product? That's all they really mm-hmm. want to know. So side plots, subplots, twists and turns that have to do with secondary characters that are not the main focus those things don't matter to these people. They want to know, they want to know the main, the big, the main, what's the big idea? What's the point? And ultimately you're at the point now with your manuscript or your book or your publishing journey that like you're at the point where like this is a business and it, and it's, it sucks to think about it that way because I mean, for most of us writers, like it's like our, you know, our heart baby. and soul on the page. And so it feels really weird to try and 
like turn that into a business like mm-hmm. letter transaction. But, yeah, and you but you do have to get used to doing it, and you do have to kind of get over that weird little lump in your chest when you think <laughs> about doing it. You just gotta you gotta go for it. Um, but yeah, as for troubleshooting, I think the biggest issue I've heard from other writers and seen in the writing community is getting the synopsis onto like a page or two, like under the 500 words or so. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of writers say it's impossible to scale their manuscript down to that, but it only feels that way. Even the greatest novels of all time can be pared down to a single page to get the main points across. Yeah. And this is another scenario where guys, we're the rule, not the exception. <laughs> and I've read a lot of books and I'm telling you I haven't read one that couldn't be written in in 500 words with the major plot points Mm -hmm. every single one can Mm -hmm. right so how do you get it there um like I already said you're gonna pare it down to the bare bones and then here's a surprise for everyone listening you're gonna get your critique partner your writing buddy to look it over and you're gonna get them to cut stuff (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> which is what I do for Elise and then when I send it to her she's like hey you forgot this I'm like oh yeah thanks <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, you could go either way it depends if mm-hmm. you're a wordy kind of writer mm-hmm. um, you're probably gonna need someone to keep cutting it for you and if you're like me who's like forgetful and like a little too concise sometimes you're gonna have someone be like hey I think that you should probably introduce this other main character and I'll be like that's a great point kind of important <laughs> <now>. I will <laughs> So, yeah, so you want to convey the meat of your story in the most concise and clear way you can. Mm -hmm. No surprises. There's no hints. You want to lay it all out for the agent so they know the main goals of your characters and how things are going to end. Um, You can leave outside characters for the most part, like focus on your main cast and be specific. Like, think of how much more time it will take you to be like, oh, they had common interests and he was really sweet. And then one day she saw him in a different light, even though blah, blah, blah. You want to say, after spending time together and finding common ground, they fall in love. So the agent knows what you're getting at. Like, yeah. get to the point. Yeah, exactly. Basically. If you write a lot of emails for work, you probably won't be so stressed about this mm-hmm. um, because you already know you got to get to the point so you can hit send. <laughs> and then you can go make a coffee or whatever. <laughs> Celebrate. But uh, we've done a lot of talking about our synopsis here, how to write one, how to mm-hmm. troubleshoot one. And we have a couple samples. Um, one of them was a submission and one of them is mine. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. Uh, it's from a shelled manuscript. So I don't feel weird about having it read on the show because I don't think that one's ever going to see the light of day. <laughs> but it was a fun one. And it was mm-hmm. uh, the first synopsis that I wrote. So we can mm-hmm. critique the heck out of that. It's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> In Gilder Nation City, 17-year-old Bryce Diamond is the top-ranked influencer. A member of the elite cast, she works hard to maintain her position, careful only to show the people her best side. Her top status influences many government-run charities, earning the approval of her father, the governor. At the premier charity event of the season, Bryce's speech is interrupted by a rebel group known as the Social Disruptors. Embarrassed, Bryce flees the stage and runs into a disruptor, Zeke. He steals her disc, the technology connecting her to her token bank, identity, and social profiles. Isolated and desperate to get her life back, Bryce decides she must find her stolen disc. When she finds Zeke, she decides to spy on the disruptors to provide her father with valuable information when she returns home. 
Zeke takes Bryce to Nation's greenhouses, where she learns that the government has manufactured happiness in the Gilder people. Every citizen receives constant doses of the pleasure drug in their food rations. The drug makes the people blissfully obedient to all government oversight, essentially caging the people in their minds. But members of the workers' caste are becoming immune and acting out against the nation. After witnessing horrific testing on those immune, Bryce commits fully to the social disruptor's mission to overthrow her father. Bryce and Zeke learn to trust each other, bonding over their shared concern for what's happening in Gilder, and he gives her back her disc. Bryce captures footage of the experiments and uses her socials to expose the horrendous activities of her father. Despite her no new low social rank, loyal followers share her posts, and she begins to climb the rankings again at speed. The disruptors fight their way to the government towers, and though they lose people along the way, they make it to the governor's suite. In the ensuing standoff, Bryce records the governor's confession, broadcasting it live to the stratosphere. The governor claims his actions are justified to maintain the nation's finite resources. However, his advisors turn on him. Bryce watches in horror as her father steps off the hundred-story balcony and plummets to his death. Mage and the disruptors take control of Gilder. Bryce sets up a live stream for Mage and realizes that the people trust her true, raw, emotional self more than they ever trusted her curated, perfect image. During Mage's live stream, she can already see the effects of the drug wearing away and the people excited for a change in leadership. Bryce and Zeke end the long day together on the roof, ready for a brighter dawn. Okay, so this is a great example of a synopsis, like a well-written synopsis. Um, lots of focus on the main players of the story. We've got Bryce, we've got Zeke, and we've got the governor and the social disruptors. Uh, it's 430 words, and we get so much information in here for how short it is. I love that. The language of it's like straightforward, but not boring. Like Elise said, you want to show the power of your writing, and this synopsis really does that mm -hmm. here. Um, I do think it could be just a little bit longer, but I haven't read the whole manuscript, so I, I could be wrong. Like, I don't know if there's anything else that needs to be added, mm -hmm. but if I were just reading this and I was like, yeah, I think I'd like to read this book. I'd like to see this put into action. And yeah, I quite like this. Yeah. Yeah. As, as someone who has read a draft of this story, still love it. Um, but I would also actually say that this is, this is really good length for the synopsis for this story. Um, and I think it does like a pretty darn good job of capturing all the main beats and the main plot point. Um, there are m maybe a few smaller details that would be valuable to add here and there. And I think a couple important characters are missing from this, unless those characters have been altered in newer drafts and, uh, and they don't carry as much weight as I thought they did. Uh, but the one that I do think needs to be uh, built up a little bit more is the mage character who's only mentioned at the very end, but was never officially or formally introduced in the rest of the synopsis. So all of a sudden there's this character who's quite important for the conclusion, but we don't know who they are or what their role is. So that's just a little thing that could be fixed. And then a piece that I do think is missing, so you could, you could add a bit more and bulk up the word count a tiny bit, is... Um, it's hinted at, but there's this romance between the main character, Bryce, and Zeke, the disruptor. And their relationship is very much key to how and why Bryce uncovers what she does about the, the disruptors, and then why she decides to stay and fight with them when she realizes what her dad is doing. Um, so I think that relationship should be covered, at least alluded to a little bit more um, directly, uh, to, to just add weight to that. 
because mm-hmm. honestly the tension between the two of them is to die for and I don't think it should be overshadowed in the summary that might be just me but I do think it's important so definitely hammer that home since um this is as much a delightful dystopian as well as a sweet sweet romance so important um aside from that my only other note is a little more tangential it's about capitalization and this tends to be an issue in sci-fi and fantasy more so than other genres when you're making up words or using words outside Mm. of their normal contexts um and so the listeners won't be (laughs) totally aware of what's going on because they haven't seen the thing written out but i have a few different places where i recommended removing the capitalization from certain words um so we, the, the reason why we do this is we want to use all these, we have these cool words that maybe we've made up or we want to use them in a different way um, for our new landscapes, new systems. We want to be different and interesting. Uh, this is fabulous, but do it in moderation is a general good mm-hmm. rule of thumb. So overcapitalization of terms and words risks pulling the reader out. It can be very visually distracting and it also keeps constantly reminding them that, hey, you're reading a story. You're not a part of this world. This isn't normal life. Hey, you're escaping from mm-hmm. real life right now. Like you're constantly reminding them that they're reading a book and that's kind of the opposite of what you want to be doing. So for this piece in particular, I would avoid capitalizing words that are being used as their original definition intends anyways. Like the word government and greenhouse are both capitalized. They function as the government and greenhouses as we would conceptualize them in everyday life. So there's no need for the capitalization there. Um, Save those capitalizations for words like, words that you have to explain. So the stratosphere or the disc or... um, Social Disruptors is a title that this group has taken on, so it's a proper noun. It should be capitalized. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. But um, everything else, err on the side of less is more. um, And just, yeah, careful with that. Mm -hmm. General note, I know I overdo it, so (laughs) this is something (laughs) I Well, the other thing is, it's one of those things where the reader's smarter than you think Mm -hmm. they are. So, like, you can give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that they'll be able to follow along mm-hmm. without you spelling it mm-hmm. out exactly for yeah. them they'll like, pick up they can make a, a guess an educated guess mm-hmm. when they're reading something like exactly this. exactly yeah. yeah but yeah all that to say there's a couple little things but all in all this summary like thoroughly captures all the main plot points that i can remember from the story it highlights the important pieces that bryce uncovers to drive the plot forward and doesn't go into too much detail like it's very concise mm-hmm. it's very it was very satisfying to read this. Um, so really, really good work on this. I'm going to go cry now as I recall how bad I am at this. <laughs> Ariana lives on a hobby farm with her father, Finn, their two horses, and her dog, Duke. She is alarmed by her father's unusual disappearance and enlists the help of her best friend, Sophia, to help her find him. Armed with the map and compass he left behind, they set off on horseback. The map guides them through a portal to the world of Talus, with no way to return. They're saved from an encounter with a strange medieval soldier by Doran and his nephew John. Doran tells Ariana he's been waiting for her, and has been instructed to watch over her until her father returns. He escorts them to his sister's pub in a nearby town, where Ariana and Sophia realize that they are not only in a different world, but a different time period. Without cell phones, electricity, or vehicles, they have no way of reaching Ariana's father. There is no sign of him until a mortally wounded messenger arrives in the dead of night to inform them her father has been captured by the kingdom of Rion. Doran and John escort Ariana, Sophia, and Duke to Rion. 
Along the way, they are attacked by bandits. Duke kills a man in defense of Ariana and confirms Doran's suspicions. Duke is a guardian, a rare creature who bonds with only one person and had been hunted to near extinction for his immortal blood. Surrounded by magic and mystical creatures, Ariana is overwhelmed by the secrets her father has been keeping. They arrive in Rion, and Doran attempts to keep them safe. Tired of waiting, Ariana ignores Doran's warnings to avoid the castle at all costs and sneaks off to find answers. Upon her arrival at the castle, she soon learns that she is the daughter of Queen Selene. She is taken to the dungeons, where she finds her emaciated father. Sophia is brought in, and the queen offers Ariana a deal. If she stays behind to fulfill her duties as heir, her father and Sophia go free. Ariana agrees, and is escorted to a guarded tower by Adam, the very same man who helped Doran get them into the city. The queen shows her ruthless disregard for human life when an angry mob tries to breach the castle gates. Ariana realizes how volatile and dangerous their mother is. The discovery of Ariana's own betrothal for political gain further solidifies her choice to escape. The queen throws a ball in Ariana's honor, and Ariana plans her next move with John and Adam's help. Doran is revealed to be the queen's top lieutenant and responsible for Ariana's arrival in Rion. The queen brutally murders Adam in front of them, and Ariana and John flee. Ariana is re reunited with Duke and her companions at a resistance camp. Their leader blackmails her into traveling to the kingdom of Vreni to retrieve her betrothed for unknown purposes. Ariana arrives in Vreni to an unwelcoming fiancé. She convinces him to come with her, not knowing his father has contracted the queen in secret. Selene arrives and demands Ariana hand Duke over. When Ariana refuses, Selene kills the king of Vreni as he tries to defend his son. Trapped alone with her mother and her threats, Ariana considers giving in. Duke attacks, saving her and wounding the queen, who flees. Ariana is reunited with her friends, and her fiancé informs her he won't return with her. Ariana returns to the resistance camp, feeling defeated, only to find he sent a messenger ahead of her to pledge his allegiance. Finally able to return home to her world, Ariana decides to send her father and Sophia through the portal to safety, while she stays behind to defeat the queen and her reign. All right, so as in the query letter episode, it's kind of hard to critique my own work. <laughs> um, I wrote this a really long time ago. I think I wrote this in like, ooh, 2018. It's been a years. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time. And yeah. I, I workshopped it to death. I edited it to death. Um, I actually forgot a lot about this story until I pulled the synopsis from like the abyss of my computer for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and reading it again, I'm like, oh, I forgot that happened. And that's kind of interesting. Cool. So, you know, but now that I've had a lot of distance from it, I'm a much different writer now, I would say. I can mm -hmm. see that it's, it's pretty wordy and I could have cut a few things out uh, to smooth it out. Uh, that being said, this is a shelved project. It would require <laughs> rewriting if sure. I were to try and publish this or query it again. So chances of it seeing the light of day again are pretty slim. <laughs> this is its uh, five minutes of fame right now on the podcast <laughs> episode. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. How many years of distance do we have from this? I'm still going to be slightly Aww. more objective than you are because I'm not tied to it. Um, but yeah. it was it was really fun to read this. It's uh, what a blast to the past. This is the, the book that you submitted for the writer's studio. So I have mm -hmm. fond memories. It's my first experience of your writing. Um, and I remember <laughs> workshopping days. this. Yeah, the good, the good old days. Where we didn't know anything. <laughs> where we thought we were so smart. How yeah. much we've learned. 
how much we mm-hmm. still have yet to learn. Oh, man. <laughs> Anyways, this this was really fun, though. I forgot just how much happened in this story. And I'm a sucker for mm-hmm. portal stories. Like, I just... That was one of my original stories. The book that I read that got me into writing was a portal story. And I just... I love them. I always will have a sweet spot for those. Um, so, off the top, I agree with you about the wordiness, which... What? Who knew I would ever say that about you? Wow, that's a term <laughs> reserved for me. Not like this anymore. <laughs> I've changed. <laughs> I can change. Oh man, I'm still like that. So you gotta tell me where you got the magic juice to change your life. But um, what this draft of your synopsis does do is it provides an accurate B by B description of the plot. Like everything mm-hmm. that I remember is in there. Um, I didn't feel like any big pieces were missing. So when I was initially reading through this again after a break, a significant break, um, my first thought was like almost is there too much detail included here? But I think that might be just some of the wordiness that you caught on to at play, which makes it feel like there's too much, but it's just because we could trim down the sentences themselves while still maintaining the same uh, information. So I've done that in a couple places Mm -hmm. as examples. Um, The main one that I wanted to point out was the first line. So we start with Ariana lives on a hobby farm with her father, Finn, their two horses, and her dog, Duke. She's alarmed by her father's unusual disappearance and enlists the help of her best friend, Sophia, to help her find him. Um, And I would change that. I would just you know, tighten it up into one sentence instead of two. When Ariana's father, Finn, disappears from their hobby farm, she enlists the help of her two horses, her dog, Duke, and her best friend, Sophia, to find him. And then continue on. That's way cleaner. Right? Wow. I learned stuff. I can't believe it. It makes me feel so good. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't catch this whenever I workshopped this last. Um, Yeah, so stuff like that. We've learned much. (laughs) That we have. Stuff like that. Um would help with that, the the feel of the wordiness. I do think some more minor details could maybe be cut, aside from sentences being shortened, to focus better on the main plot thread, um, Mm -hmm. which would be like A, finding her dad, B, escaping from the queen after they're all captured with everyone intact, and C, keeping their heads after they arrive in the resistance camp. Because that, I think that was the piece where I felt like, okay, there's some details here that need to be here that I remember that are not. but that said, the thread of the queen being, you know, behind everything from the start is very nicely woven throughout. Like somewhere in the middle, we find out that, oh, she was involved getting everything kicked off in the first place. And that is consistent through to the end. Um, so I think that shows that that main thread that we're talking about is very much apparent throughout the synopsis. So that's great. Um, I do, if anything's missing from that, it's uh, some of her key motivations, like... We learn some of the reasons why she's doing it. We learn about the magical implica- implications of things and how that ties to Ariana, both Ariana and Duke. And I think those details aren't clear enough or even, I'm not sure if they're even present in this synopsis. And because Again, there are such... I love to forget important <laughs> plot points. And that that makes sense to Still me because you, like, you sprinkled in the magic kind of throughout later drafts it wasn't there immediately and Mm -hmm. then you changed it so that makes sense to me but they became such big parts of the story that they they deserve a little more attention um and then another piece that i noticed was just a bit of confusion when they escape from the queen's castle we are told that ariana and john flee but it makes it sound like they left her dad and sophia behind to 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 die 
Um, Love you guys. Die. See you later. (laughs) So I know, I know that's not the case because I read the draft. I know that they make it out, Um, but that piece should be clarified. And then a note could be added when they get to the resistance camp, where the leader then blackmails Ariana with the lives of her father and her best friend into doing his bidding. Because I believe that was a key Mm -hmm. piece, and that just like that's a key like stakes intention, why motivation. So that's maybe not something we touched on very strongly in our notes portion before, but character motivation Mm -hmm. and the drive for why these things are happening is very important to the synopsis Mm -hmm. as well. Because it needs to be believable and the agent needs to be able to see that, yes, we can establish empathy for this from start to finish. It's going to make sense Mm -hmm. to the reader. Um, Yeah, so with this one, I wonder if some of the beat-by-beat descriptions of this happened and this happened could be summarized a bit better so that the flow of the story is more Mm -hmm. clear without getting bogged down by the details, but... Um, you've got the main thread. You did, you know, you understood the assignment. I did that. (laughs) (laughs) You did do that. So well done. (laughs) It's funny reading work that's, that's older like Mm -hmm. this. Um, like if I were to rewrite the story, like it wouldn't even be the same story. Right. Yeah. You'd have to like like, completely restart it and just like keep a couple main points. Yeah. But it is fun to read it. it. It's almost like you're reading someone else's right? story. Well, because you're a different like, person uh. now. Like you've changed. Yeah, you've become someone different. different and you approach things differently. So, yeah. Exactly. And yeah, I think the what you said about character motivation was something we, we maybe didn't touch on enough earlier in the episode. But um, I think that can be a hard one for people to bring out of their characters because a lot of the time... I mean, it depends what kind of writer you are. If you're an outliner, you probably got your motivation. <laughs> if you're a pantser, like me at least, <clears throat> um, a lot of time you're going by feel and like where the story is taking you. And what there's not a lot down? of actual plotting happening. <laughs> so it takes longer for uh, our type of writing mm-hmm. styles to like pull out those things for the synopsis. Yeah, like what, what the is the main is. plot? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And that's where another great place to have your writing buddy brainstorm with you or look at your synopsis. Because again, like Elise said, she wasn't attached to that story. Like she knows it, but she's not attached. So she could be more objective. And I think that's what you got to do with, um, with your, when you're trying to write your synopsis, if you're struggling with it and give it to someone who's read your work or give it to someone who you've brainstormed enough with that they know what where, where you're going with it well ideally and they'll both, help you yeah. clarify like get someone who's read it and get someone who hasn't because the agent yeah. that sees the synopsis is not gonna have read the whole story yet they might mm-hmm. have the first sample pages so it has to make sense to someone who doesn't know the story yes but yeah. you, and you that, also yeah yeah you need someone who's read it to say like you you're both. missing this really important piece here that someone who hasn't read it wouldn't pick up on right so yeah and that's a nice thing to give to someone who's uh not writer like not a writer friend Mm -hmm. like give it to someone who Mm -hmm. just like reads or just a friend or whatever and see what kind of questions they have about your synopsis by the time they finish it like yeah again you can miss something quite obvious that's why I recommend for in our query letter episode to do the same thing like read it to a friend who doesn't know your work and ask Mm -hmm. them like if they would want to read that like Mm -hmm. does it sound interesting did you you know is there something that can make it more interesting Mm -hmm. and that's same thing with your synopsis um yeah just also because it's so hard with your own work it's so hard like you'll be like this plot point is so important and you'll give it to your writing buddy and they'll be like cut (laughs) get that out of there (laughs) but but 
they need to know that this happens so that they know that this character did this thing and then that's how they yeah. end up over here and it's like well that's not even in the synopsis so they know no they don't need yeah, to know like that. they don't need to know you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's tough but I- i've seen a lot of people on the writing community on twitter lately talking about how hard a synopsis is and how they all struggle and mm. like i've seen these posts like the- these tweets with like hundreds of likes and like hundreds of comments of people saying how much they struggle with it so it's a universal thing so yeah. you don't feel bad yeah if absolutely. you're really having a hard time um yeah <laughs> yeah it gets better with with practice um I say, even though I haven't had to write one in a while. <laughs> so uh, check in on me when I write the synopsis for the next draft that I want to query, because maybe <laughs> I won't be so chill about it. I might be crying oh, over a pint no. of ice cream about it. I think you'll be okay. I- I'm trying to remember, because you did a synopsis for the Kairos draft. Yes. Yeah. And that I worked out pretty that. good. I think, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, you you typed that out in very little time, and I was like, very jealous. Yeah, during a writing sprint, and I'm like, oh, I'm done, yeah. and Elise is like, I hate what? you. What? What? Uh, I actually sent it to Eileen, and she was kind enough to give me a little bit of feedback, and she nailed that, what's the character's motivation? And I was like, oh, yeah, that should be That's in there, entirely missing. Whoops. Yeah. So, even if you're good at writing that. a synopsis, you're still going to miss something. Still Again, miss feedback. It. Mm-hmm. Feedback, people. Mm-hmm. It's scary, but it's so good. So important. And that's the tea on synopses. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at the Tea Grannies Podcast and on Twitter at the Tea Grannies. We'll see you next time for our episode on agent hunting. Happy writing. <laughs>